Good evening, friends. Welcome back to the front porch. My name is Dennis Rogers, and I am joined by Michael Daniels. How's it going, Mike? How is your Monday? And it's the Mondayest Monday ever, I think, Dennis. Mm. The uh, I, as I had talked about in our friend group, I had been called up for jury duty. I had so, and I knew it was today, but I, I had forgotten. Are you are you going to be Peter Fonda in a room with eleven other oh yeah, angry yeah, men? Yeah. It, what's funny about that is it's very very hot in there. And that, that's mm. all I could think about was how oppressively hot it was. But is um, it it's, is it still like an old limestone building with probably poor air conditioning? Uh, the building is very is is definitely like old ancient looking Roman yeah. type thing. But but the mm-hmm. the inside looks all real new and nice. But hmm. um, but I can't talk anything about that. The only thing I was going to say about it was that I I had gotten uh, I had forgotten last night and I fell asleep. Uh, as I tend to do while watching watching TV, and I woke up at like three in the morning. I was like, ah, "Tomorrow's just going to be rough," because I didn't realize, you know, that I should have gone to bed early. Hmm. Um, then I went to bed, and I'm supposed to be there at like nine. And sure enough, um, Shelley wakes me up at seven in the morning. Like, aren't you supposed to be leaving for Indy? I was like, "Oh my god!" So I jumped straight up out of bed, and then just flew in there and threw and uh, threw things on and left. And then now, and I've just been home a little bit. So this is Monday has been like just what is happening this whole Monday. Um, <laughs> but yeah, and then now, now I'm back, and I, and I had just gotten home like 20 minutes ago. Uh, mm. and it's straight, straight in recording. I think that's going to be because um, I was picked for the, for the thing. I think that's going to be my my entire week is going to be that getting up real early, taking Sid to school, going driving all the way. I drive all up to Indianapolis. Duty all day long, then come all night. It's going to last over a week. So fun, fun. That was my answer, Dennis. To your how, how was Monday? The Mon- it's the Mon- Charlie Browniest Monday of, of days. <laughs> I uh, I got uh, mixed news on on my Monday. I don't know if I talked about this last week, but my uh, vehicle, my Jeep, has yeah. been in the shop uh, yeah. for a little over a week now. Um, yeah, which is anxiety inducing because. I cannot stay at an RV park indefinitely. Uh, I can stay a mm. long time now right, with yeah. my membership, but not forever. And that uh, cold winter weather came through. I think actually all of that has happened in between the last time we recorded because it was still kind of maybe by Monday night we were getting the the early warning signs. But um, in, in uh, Texas, it, of all places, in I mean, Texas, that, this yeah. would be a normal story if you were talking about. You know, up north Indiana when you were up there, but exactly, was, exactly. So the vehicle part of the story is that I finally heard back from the mechanics today. Um, they have to get a part from the dealer, of course, and uh, I'm not going to say how much, but the job is estimated to be quite expensive. Um, I'm hoping for a little help from my uh, warranty company on that, but I'm not going to go into those details on the air. Um, the weather part of the story is yes, this this winter storm winter weather advisory thing came through northern texas i'm just probably about an hour south of dallas give or take um and from i want to say like monday night maybe or at least tuesday morning until thursday morning which in retrospect doesn't sound that long but it was three solid days of um below freezing weather like i think not until Wednesday, maybe even Thursday, around like the hottest time of the day, so like three in the afternoon, 
um, did it get above freezing. And even then, like, yes. it was 32, 33 for a couple hours and then got cold again. So I had my water unhooked. Um, I can still, you know, get water from the hookup outside because they came around the park staff and um, did what they called drip the hoses, the 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 spigots. There's a, I'm sure there's a better word for that, mm. term for that. But um, basically it's like, it's like a garden hose you have on your house, a uh, hookup for a garden hose. And they turn it on just enough so that the water comes out in a trickle. Mm-hmm. Makes it keep and going then, so it doesn't freeze. Yeah, that moving water doesn't freeze. It adds to the ice. And then it didn't snow snow like we call snow up north. But it there was precipitation that was basically freezing rain, making just the roads and everything a sheet of ice. I heard... But there were accidents and things, obviously, because people in the south aren't used to driving on. And everybody, even in the north, people would have trouble on very icy roads. And, you know, in the south, they don't have the infrastructure for it because they don't need it. Um, but sort of a mixed blessing for me. I never had the the temptation or even the opportunity, because my Jeep was in the shop, to go out and drive in any of that. Um, yeah. It wasn't even an option for me. So, um but I survived I, I, that, and uh, and it's been, I think today it was in the low 70s uh, what, during what? the day. In, and in the <laughs> 60s yesterday, yeah, it's it was almost warm enough today that I had to run my AC, which is that, what? That barely... Sounds like, that sounds like Indiana weather right there, where it's like Ex- 20 to 70. Like that, that exactly, kind of exactly. I talked to another guy at the park here, and he said that thing, you know, old farmers always say about you don't like the weather wait half an hour um yeah and that's been true everywhere i've gone now i've not you know i've not gone like to europe um but i've been texas to florida to maine back to indiana in this whole square and a lot of places in between and everywhere i've gone it's the weather can really change from one day to the next yeah I think my place that I've ever been, it's been like a consistent would be out, uh, uh, California on the, on the coast area. And once mm. you get past the mountains, just cause that's the way the nature of the jet stream and stuff doesn't come around that, right, hit that right. area in ways, but everywhere else. Yeah. It, it dips down and messes with everybody, even evidently in Texas. I remember, um, I, the only time I'd ever lived outside of state was for six months when I was seven years old in second grade. And I, we lived in Louisville, Texas with my family down there and they it's right outside of dallas and it it snowed and it was two inches of snow and this is the only uh, very few things i can remember of of that age but i remember it snowing because they closed school it was two two inches and yeah um down the street the trucks were going on the street with chains on their tires at two inches of snow and my mom was was laughing a lot about it because like you said they don't have any idea how to drive on, on that thing or what to do. So they were all just terrified. And, and at two inches of snow, they had shut down all the businesses and it was a, a big warning type thing. So that, right. That, that, I believe all those things you're saying about that. So what did any news on, on your, at all on your vehicle? Are they going to be able to get it out in time? Or how, that's got to well, be rough. Or le- like I said, they have to order the part and do the fix. It's going to be pricey, but, and it's, Getting the parts going to take a couple days, but it's Monday. Um, my reservation is good until next Sunday, so I have almost an entire week for them okay. to get that done. 
uh, you know, fingers crossed. And if yeah, if not, that's like my, you know, that's like my hot water yeah. hot water heater going out in the house is what it is. Like you got to fix a big thing; it costs a lot of money. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Rough man. Well, uh, are you still Texas bound after that? Yeah, yeah. I'll be I'll be probably in Texas a couple months. I was gonna go on west um, as it starts to get warm. I'm not sure yet. I've got some social. Uh, uh, not obligations, but opportunities, shall we say, um, back, back in the Midwest, uh, in the spring, April, May. Mm-hmm. Um, so I might come back to Indiana one more time before summer. Um, we'll see. I've not finalized those plans. Mm, right. Well, we have, uh, what do we got this week? Got a couple things happening. We're going to talk a lot of some things about, let's see our a quick synopsis about our show today. Um, besides our weather adventures here in the, the, the Midwest and the South, um, uh, we will catch up on Last of Us. I think we're halfway through the season now, so we can do a little bit of a catch up mm. uh, on how we feel the season's going so far. You and I started the show Poker Face, mm-hmm. um, so we can talk about a little bit about that one. Um, I finished watching Avenue 5. I'm not sure if you finished that one, but do a quick synopsis. Our, sh- our movie this week is called Excalibur. I did get an opportunity to watch in the theaters a movie called a man named Otto. And I'll talk about that. And then I don't know about you, Dennis, but I spent stupid amounts of time playing the game against the storm. And we talked a little bit last week, but maybe we can just, I, I was gonna, yeah, I was going to call you on that for, you know, uh, I saw you on steam. You uh, have your, your status visible and I could see nearly every time I fired it up to play, I could see the little, the little green, indicator next to the game saying somebody was playing and i was like is that michael or is that maybe definitely, ben definitely. ben Horolovich is has been playing a lot um yeah and yeah it was usually you yeah well, well we can start there so it's our, it's our only game thing we I mean, we don't have to go too much into depth because we did talk you you were reviewed it kind we of last, week, last but, week yeah um so this this is but but i can i can add to the conversation i guess now yeah of um so you described it pretty well last week, and I'm just going to do a quick recap. Not even of if you want to really know more about, in depth about the game, go listen last week. To, Dennis did a good job of explaining it all. But basically, it's a a city building game, um, not in the vein of Sim City per se, because Sim City is very in depth, and there's lots of like technical stuff and growth, and the buildings grow and get bigger and smaller, and it's all that kind of yeah. stuff. Access this and is more trash collection yeah. and all of that I, stuff. I think a good example was something along the lines of a, a Starcraft or something like that. Granted, in Starcraft, you're building up armies. Here, you're not. You're just, you know, getting resources, um, just like you do would in a Starcraft type thing, and to build buildings. And um, the goal is to um, complete enough objectives in a in a certain time period before it goes off. And that time period is variable based on how well you do and, and a lot of different stuff. But anyway, it's a city builder, I think. And, and, and as Dennis said last week, it's a roguelite, which means which is very different for this kind of thing. And I was very un, un, curious about how it was going to be. Mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. And I'm not sure. So uh, the, the big thing about a roguelite is that it's, you know, when the time is up, it's over and your city's done. Now, this game does let you continue playing in your little your little city to build it up. But you don't get any experience, you don't get any extra stuff, and you're just playing for your own self, and you're never really going back to that city. Yeah, um, never so that. that that was the first thing that that was the very first map of getting over it that I wasn't this wasn't to stay, 
right? Like I was just playing this map. And after the first time I played it through and I was done and never got back to it, there's a quick realization of like, okay, that's what this is. I, I have mm-hmm. to not care about really about the city. You know, one, one of the things about yeah, these kind of games is... A, go ahead. Oh, no, wait, here, here. It's just a... It's a really different thing, and it's it's one of the things that um, I really like about it. Um, mm-hmm. And I, I don't know, maybe if I didn't have so many hundreds of hours in Factorio, I would be more annoyed by that, because, you know, that's the thing in... In most roguelites, you play until you die. Um, And that's true in this game, too, except, I don't know, I've won every game I played. I'm usually playing on lower difficulties. I played many on the lowest difficulty and then switched to the second one up. And it was a little struggle the first time, but ever since then, I've not really had any problems. Tonight, I played my first on the third difficulty, and that was still okay. I also picked a location without any real um onerous debuffs uh for my for my settlement there but it's it's kind of a um it's almost freeing in a way like you said you know here's what you're doing um you know you're gonna build this town and i've had many where i'm like okay if i do this then i'll finally have the ability to make pickled goods and then that'll make the beaver clan happy and you know i'll do like i'll still be planning things when the when the bar fills up and i'm like right. oh i want like sometimes i'm a little disappointed i'm like oh i had other plans okay i guess i'm you know yeah that that, that does happen often to me when it, the game ends cuz i've won and i'm like oh i was going to build out that whole thing but that's I was okay. going to do yeah. a thing i guess now i don't have to yeah yeah uh i think a, a good explanation for some people who were a little confused still like i was last week about the difference here, and it's kind of important, is that um, a couple things. Each game is different in the fact that there's maps. One, the different maps, they're randomly generated. Mm-hmm. Um, but the biome, basically, you're in is different. There's several different biomes that you can choose and pick on the big map. Um, and that, um, like a lot of roguelites, or roguelikes, the, um, um, the buildings you get aren't the same. So if you go play any other kind of city builder, or base builder, or even like I said, a StarCraft where they've got a tech tree, it's not, you don't get them all. You get some base buildings that are required to even, you know, survive in the game. But every time um, you complete a task or do something big, uh, you get an ability to pick from like three to to five uh, random new buildings that come your way. That's in your, your like, your, your stock, your inventory type thing. And that... It's, if we went back to the StarCraft example, it's like you may not get the military base. You may not start with that. But then one of the options would be is to buy a military base. And if you get the military base, then you can be like, okay, I'm going to go down that way and strengthen the military kind of tech tree-ish thing for my base. Yeah. Um, but that may not come up for you. It may just be something like, oh, here's the, I don't know, uh, Protoss characters or something like that. Like, oh, well, I'll choose to go down that way. So every game can be different because the different buildings that come up and you have to make your choice that will, you know, it's that, that um, you're going to play throughout the rest of the, the map. So, you know, it's kind of like making that strategic decision. Um, how am I going to complete the objectives on this map based on these, you know, buildings that I have on this level up type thing? 
And then the next time I level up, I'll get five different buildings that I can choose from at randomly. Um, there's also some other random things too. Like they're, what, are, what are they called, Dennis? When they're like um, uh, uh, bonuses or benefit type things that cornerstones is what they're called. I think they call them cornerstones in the game. They're, they're like passive buffs and some of them are conditional, but then also can be multiplicative, right? Where you're like, yeah. Oh, you get plus one resolve for every 75 biscuits you guys make or something like that. Yeah. So they're like little ongoing buffs that you can get and the game it's things. Um, so anyway, that, that, that was what I kind of wanted to say about that was that the um, it's, it is, you don't have the same, unlike a Factorio or a, um, any of those other kind of games where you have, you know, the tech tree per se, right? You know, and you do it differently every time you play it. This one, you don't always know what you're going to get and, and you have to, you know, dodge and weave based on the choices that come your way. And what's important is that completing a map uh, is not the reason to keep playing another map. Cause I think just in, in general, the idea for me was like, well, wouldn't that get old after like two or three times of playing? Yes. But um, you buy, you get experience points and uh, currency type thing by completing and doing well on a map. And then you can go unlock other options. Like you'll get new buildings or that you can add to your stuff or more abilities that you'll play on the next thing. So that when you play the next game, you've got different sets of things that are different capabilities than you had before. Right. Um, yeah. and new, new mechanics open up as you get higher up in level. Uh, so that when, now when you go play on this run for this new town, then you are playing a little bit different every time and it gets different and different. That's the, that's the drive for, for this game to, to make it up. Yeah. Um, yeah. And that's the, that's the very roguelite, um, um, element of it. Like, well, the cards, there are a lot of things about it that are roguelite, but the, yeah. the differentiator between roguelike and roguelite is, is this like some kind of progression, right? It's not just right. super Mario where you're, you know, it's the same every time you play it in Hades, you unlock a new weapon and now you can do, runs with the bow or with the sword or yeah. hammer. I forget what the weapons are in Hades, right. but um, in this game, you'll hit a point. Um, like I got to a level where there are other uh, AI players building settlements on the map. Yes. And so that means I can say, Oh, they want to go here. Maybe I'll go here instead, or they're going to go here in four years. Well, a run, you know, a, a settlement can last, I don't know how long, like seven, eight years. It probably varies. I don't pay too close attention in to it. In-game years, not, not real life. In-game <laughs> years, yeah, and it has a has an adjustable clock. That part of it is very SimCity, where you give all your people jobs, and there's nothing for you to do but wait. You can turn the clock up um, and just and just let it run. But if I, if I know... That one of the one of the AI players is going to build a settlement in four years. I might settle that. I don't know if this is actually true, but um, I'll put my settlement there or nearby, so I know after those four years they they build that settlement. I'll be able to trade with them or whatever. Yeah, yeah. Um, so, so it adds adds yeah. new mechanics as you go along. Exactly. Um, That's all that. So uh, one final say. thing I just wanted to say about this one is. Uh, to your point about difficulty or you mentioned about playing the, the bottom two difficulties and in general, in most games difficulties are just that, you know, you play more so they make it more challenging for yourself. You increase the difficulty in this one. In this game, uh, increasing the difficulty has multiple effects that, that are important to the gameplay. 
meaning that yes, it gets harder, not just because, you know, it gives pluses or minuses to enemies or whatever it might be. It's that it, you know, the game itself puts more obstacles in your way and things are go, you know, are just much more, just not just the difficulty curve, but there's more, you know, stat minuses against you and things like that. And here's the two big things that the, you get more experience points or more rewards for higher difficulties, which is great. Um, but also games take longer. Like they absolutely do. Um, so playing on the easiest difficulty may net you less rewards, but unlike other roguelike or roguelike games, this game goes pretty long. It takes a little while, um, depending on your 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 pause game. Um, <laughs> but I, I, you know, games will go two hours for me easily mm. um, on, on the difficulty that I'm at. Um, but if I go down to like the easiest difficulty, I can get it done in under an hour. Um, Right. And because, you know, it's, there's a lot less pressure to do things that you need to do. So you just you can just kind of strive towards goals. All of the goals you get given are, are considerably easier um, so that you can accomplish them and get to your to your goal quickly. So I have been doing this strategic thing that, that was all to kind of say, like you picking lower difficulties isn't a, a bad thing. Oh, he's not that good. That's not it at all. There's a lot more to it. Picking your difficulty levels than just that. Um, I will play um, this, the shorter difficulty games um, because I have limited time. One, if you have right? less time. I, I, sure. Yeah, sure. I got I got to do something. And then two, there's a whole component to this in that after so many playthroughs, like you called them years. Like so, when you play, let's say you play through one game and it takes you an hour, and let's say in game that's five years. We're just gonna say. Sure. Um, at, at the end of an on there's a, there's a big world map where you you make your towns and you unlock things as you go through this map. But at the end of, let's just say, 20 in-game years, uh, the entire map gets reset and everything gets cleared off the board and you start over with a, a, a new randomly generated world map. And so how you spend those 20 years is kind of important. So if I wanted to sp- say play the easy difficulty, I, I might be able to get seven games in. And that means I can make different moves, more moves on the main world map. I may get less experience points and less bonuses, but I can make movements on the map and play more games before it's cleared. If you play the really heavier difficulty ones, you may only get two before the whole thing is cleared. So playing difficulties in this game is a lot more than just how hard is it. There's there's a lot more to it. I think it's kind of important. Yeah. Um, okay, that's really all I had about about that game. I, I do enjoy it. It's it's a it's a like roguelites. It's eating me, me up because um, you want to unlock the next thing. You know, it, it's <laughs> that's a good driver for it. You know, the, the the I think roguelikes, if the successful ones are the ones that the carrot that you're driving for is a good carrot. Like it, it's got juicy, big, fun things. Like you mentioned in Hades, you know, you get a new right. weapon. Like that's really cool, and the weapons are significant. In this game, it feels that way too. I think the things that you get feel pretty significant that you can change so far, at least where I'm at. Yeah, yeah, I'm enjoying it a lot. I've gotten, I've gotten kind of the to the point where I've played it enough that I don't immediately, um, after a run, I'm re- and maybe this is upping the difficulty so the runs take a little longer. Um, after I finish a run, I usually will back out and save and. Go do something else. I don't have as much like 
of that uh, yeah. uh, immediate urge to uh, to keep playing to do another one. Um, maybe again, that's upping the difficulty and having them be a little more challenging. But yeah. uh, but I'm still enjoying it a lot. Um, yeah, it, it ate up my entire weekend. It, I mean, I, I did things <laughs> that I needed to do around the house and outside and run errands and things. When I, otherwise, I was here playing that when the kids weren't on the computer. Yeah, I'm. I'm also in the situation where I'm stuck here, right? I oh, did, right. You can't um, even go anywhere. Right? Both on Saturday and Sunday, took some some pretty long walks um, with the dog and enjoyed the nice weather. But I still hit a certain point where I'm like, okay, what am I going to do? I'm going to sit outside for a while, and then I'm like, you know what? I kind of want to do another against a storm run. <laughs> no, right? Yeah, yeah. And, and that that is kind of interesting because unlike uh satisfactory or the factorio build games um when you approach that you're it would basically and tell me if i'm wrong it's basically a i would like to get on and do some more work on my town right it's not like you feel like you're going to sit down and complete your town in a, in a no, session you're no gonna, i mean more and here you, you do a town and then you're done and move on right? yeah a hundred percent i mean factorio has that goal of of launching the rocket and mm-hmm. so I will eventually get to that point. I didn't used to do this, but I get to the point now where I'm like, you know what? I'm going to get on. I'm going to push through, launch the rocket, and then I'll probably be done. But no, for days and days before that, it's much more like, you know what? I'm going to get on and I'm going to figure out this smelting operation and get that, you know, and it's yeah. and it's very much task. Um, it's more hands-on sort of tasking where you're like okay now i've got a you know and it's five other it's almost like whack-a-mole sometimes where you're like oh this uh, this isn't doing this because it's full you know this tank is full of this kind of oil so let me fix that okay now i'm still short oh that's because i'm not getting enough crude oil and so i'm going to fix that and oh i'm getting attacked down here so i need to beef up this defense let me do that 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 and that and then it's like 40 minutes have gone by and i'm like what was i what was I going <laughs> to do? Oh, yeah, I was going over here to the iron smelting. Fix that. Yeah, it's... yeah. The the the, the thing that you, I like your word freeing is the last I want to say on this one because I'm kind of belaboring it, is that um, um, it the freeing part is that, that it's kind of important. I feel that because of that, I don't feel like I have to min-max everything as much because I'm kind of on a timer and I, I kind of, which that usually is not a good thing for me. Sure. Um, but, but the... Uh, I can care less about all the minutiae of things. Now I understand on the higher difficulty levels, you have, to, it's, it's almost required that you do min max so many little stats, but for the most part, you don't have to have perfect roads. You don't have to build everything in the, the proper ways that you might want to build in say a factorio satisfactory, uh, where, you know, if you link these things together in the right way and build a factory, they're more efficient with this thing. Sure. That's true in this game, but really your goal is to just complete it. Which is which is the most different stuff is that I don't have to make the most you don't make iron factories in here, but it, you don't have to make the most efficient iron factory. You just have to get enough iron to complete the goal, right? right. Like, yeah, and, or and get enough a, biscuits to complete that goal. You know, yeah, and it's it's sort of I got the little pop up thing on Steam I've probably seen before, but for this game I was like, what the heck? I'll do it. It's like you've played forty four hours. Would you recommend this to other players? And so I wrote mm. a little review. Um, but because the buildings you get and the buffs you get and the quests, the orders you get are random, you know, they have that, that card drawing mechanic that sort of, um, um, mitigates the randomness. 
but it's still random. So each settlement is a little bit of a puzzle, right? You're like, yeah, yeah. You're like, okay, you can't, you can't, you can, you know, look at the information before you start a settlement and go, oh, this one's going to have a lot of iron. So I want to, I want to focus iron, but you might, uh, iron's not a thing, copper. Um, For example, yeah, whatever it might be. You might want to focus iron, but you might never get the opportunity to, um, to get the blueprint for a building that can smelt raw iron into bars, right? Yeah. Uh, iron ore. And so you can't, you know, like in Factorio or in, in SimCity or any of those games, um, I can say, oh, let me try one where I just mostly use trains. Because of the randomness, I don't know. Mm what i'm you don't get. know right yeah and so i yeah. might say oh this settlement's gonna have a lot of harpies let me build um the bathhouse and the one of the city buildings that uses uh wine because harpies like wine and you know then they'll be happy but i might not get the ability to make wine i might not be able to get that building uh i might not get bathhouse um yeah and so you have to kind of adapt and make your sort of it's whatever's between strategy and tactics i think it's tactics where you adapt Mm -hmm. your plan to the information and the opportunities um that are given you and it helps it helps make each run unique because there's not a lot of depth i mean the resources and things are deeper than like uh warcraft or starcraft right there's not yes, just yes, yes there's not yes. just ore and gas or crystals and gas whatever they're called mm-hmm. um but there's still just you know so many things there there are six different kinds of raw food but they're all raw food um mm-hmm. the people will eat any of them to you know to, within varying degrees and then the the difficulty reminds me of I don't know if this is a reference anybody will get, but it reminds me of of raiding in in WoW, where at the very highest difficulties, if you're pushing progression on the highest difficulty and and things, there are a lot of things you need to think about, a lot of things you need to pay attention to. There's damage on the, there's fire on the ground you can't stand in, et cetera, et cetera. But if you are um, sufficiently geared as they say if your if your characters are strong enough and the difficulty is low enough if one or both of those things are true you can ignore those things right there's like right. here there's fire on the ground and it's hurting you but you have pretty good armor and your healers have more mana than they know what to deal to deal with to do with and so they can just keep you alive you can ignore those mechanics and just burn the boss down um that's a little bit how this game is. You play on the easiest difficulty, and there are some mechanics that aren't even present. Um, this one that I played has a new sort of debuff thing that pops up on buildings uh, during the different phases that you have to you have to have the resources to to burn those those things away, whatever. Um, but even before you get to that, there's all that min maxing stuff you're talking about, like. Oh, during the storm, the people get sad. They lose their resolve. And so you have to do some other things to try and temporarily boost morale in the town. Otherwise, people lose their resolve and leave. And then you've lost right. workers for your for your thing. On lower difficulties, you don't care about that. 
Like people are sad during the storm, but they don't they're not sad enough that they leave and you just wait it out and and keep going. Um Right. And so it gives a nice range of whatever kind of challenge as far as difficulty and duration as you said um you know those options are there right however you want to play it yeah and and i and i am i am enjoying it i'm having a good time with it um and and it's it's staying i'm i'm still not a fan of the the length um but because it isn't it it isn't a game that i can just you know pick up and and play quickly Mm, sure Um, sure coming from factorio it's it's a much shorter length (laughs) Oh, sure, it's, sure. It's got a built-in timer. Like, when I play Factorio, sometimes I'll set a timer on my phone. Like, okay, 90 minutes, and then I need to get off and do something else. Yeah, yeah. Um, um, but but good game. It's $20, $20 on Steam. It's pr- pretty good. If you like uh, base builders and roguelikes, those are definitely two that it, it, it d- does. And I've never seen anything like that that's a crossover. So mm-hmm. big thumbs up. In them. And it doesn't feel, it is early access, doesn't really feel like it. I can definitely see where they are. Um, they're still going to be cleaning some stuff up, um, yeah. you know, w- with some mechanics or things that I can tell are good, but could probably use a little bit more adding to or fleshing out. Not a, a lot. Bit of polish, right? Yeah. As, as, but, but, as they say, but yeah. Uh, primarily I would say if I had a, the thing is that, um, the beginning is not really, it doesn't feel like I've been walked through really well. A lot of it is pointing back to their in-game encyclopedia, read lots of text here. Yeah. Um, Instead of kind of showing you as you walk through, it does have to, but it just needs stuff like that needs some work and you, you can see that, but the game itself is, is, is a definitely a complete game. And unlike when you play a game like Baldur's Gate, where you're going to be able to play a certain percentage of the game in early access each until they have new patches. This one feels like it's got a complete game to it. And then they're adding to it. They are every two weeks patching, which is kind of a nice thing Mm. that they're consistent with that. Yeah. And, um, and they have a, a, um, a path marked out like most do, but it seems the way I've looked at it is that they're, they're sticking with the path. And then when they release a new patch in two weeks, then they will do a roundup of, you know, here's where we are on that path, um, yeah. which is pretty, pretty short. And, or we had to go back. So next week we're, we'll be where we thought we were this week. So you kind of feel like you're engaged with the developers. Yeah. The they have a lot game. of transparency. I don't know if you bought the game early enough to see this, but one of the times that I logged in uh post patch, they gave me a, a poll, right? A, yeah. A, yeah. I got one of these. Yeah. A survey, which was just three different options for new races. Yeah. And they're letting the community vote on it right there in the game. And I was like, that's, that's pretty cool. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's really yeah. interesting. I it actually makes me wonder is like, how far in i i always wonder about when i see things like that from developers and it looks like they've got three choices and all of them seem to be flushed out it's like did they put a lot of work into all three of these and then <laughs> they're really not going to do the other two at all i'm i'm skeptical on that sometimes i think that those, that those are just you're just choosing the one that will come out first type maybe but maybe but that still feels it, good it could just way. be brainstorming right like the game is flushed out enough that they're like right. okay what if we had a race that's like this. They'll probably do this, this, and this. And it's just an idea, right? Like True. I, ideas are cheap. And right. when they, you know, when one, when they pick one, then they'll get into the details and go, okay, well, they probably like this and this, but to keep it balanced with the other races, we need to, you know, not include this or whatever. Right. 
Uh, okay, so that's our that's our game section for the day. Uh, which one do <laughs> you want to go into first? We're going to talk about movies or TV shows. What what do you what do you feel? Which which category? Um, let's start with the movie. Why not? Okay, so that was and the movies here. We'll start with. We just got two of them to talk about today. Uh, let's go with our movie of the week and start there. All right. This week we watched Excalibur from 1981. Um, it's funny that it's 1981. That's the year I was born. Um, oh, nice. It it feels very 70s. Which So, so you're the child of, of, of the two, right? You're yeah, yeah. Born um, Destiny. I'm Mordred or Arthur, depending yeah, on which version, right. which part of the movie you're talking about. Um, <laughs> yeah. I was thinking more of the this, Mordred. You're the, the, the son of the, the, the two people. Yeah. But yeah. That, that goes um, into a dark area because it's incestual thing. It's, it's incestuous. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, okay. So Sorry. 1981, it's interesting. This movie is very 70s. To me, I felt. Yeah, I, felt I actually that, thought that, it was 70s until I had like 10 years ago. I, I looked, looked it up. Like, oh, it's 80s. And really, like, 1981 is still pretty 70s, especially in the world of movies. Um, I mean... Yeah. I mean, they're planning by, and making these things years before, right? Yeah, by this point, you've, you're have you pretty close to, like, MTV and Phil Collins in the air tonight. But that stuff is... <laughs> I love you. It's your age marker. That's great. Well, that's the, like, the 80s. Like, what's going to happen in the 80s? But this is 81. <laughs> sure. Like, it's it's barely 80s. Um, barely. And yeah, this is, um, the, the legend of King Arthur, Merlin, Mm -hmm. Lancelot, uh, Gawain, um, Guinevere, Morgana, Morgan Le Fay, Uther. And it actually starts out earlier before that with like, uh, yeah, is it, uh, uh, Uther, Uther, Uther Pendragon, Uther Pendrag, Pendragon. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, the, the um, uh, this yeah, feels very, very Star Wars. I mean, because it's the same time, right? It feels fantasy Star mm. Wars, mm-hmm. right? I mean, the, the, from the sets and the people, the way they look type stuff and the cinematography kind of feels 79, like late 70s, early 80s, just, just yeah. to cap off yeah. that, that time period. 100%. 100%. Yeah. I, so. And you said you had of, not seen this, right? All the way through, I had, at least. I had not seen this. I don't think I'd seen any part of this. Oh, um, really? Okay. I mean, maybe I've seen clips uh, on TV somewhere or, at yeah. some point without without recognizing them. Um, I thought of several things watching this. Um, I sent you a link, and I'll put this in show notes. Though you know, whoever it's it's uh, of interest to may vary. Um, I'm a fan of ASMR. And sleep stories. Mm-hmm. Um, I like to, li- you know, I used to listen to audiobooks, but and I know you you say you put you leave the TV on when you when you're yes. falling asleep. Yes. Well, my version of that is I listen to uh, stuff like ASMR and sleep stories. And there's a channel uh, called French Whisperer, a guy with a French okay. accent. We'll just talk about either science or history or mythology, um, and he has a whole. I think it's over an hour long video just talking about this legend arthur and the mm-hmm, history mm-hmm. surrounding it around the the collapse of rome and yep. all of the sort of tribes and the fact that the earliest 
records we have of a story of King Arthur are something like two, three hundred years after the events described. And so you're like, who knows? Three hundred years in the Dark Ages. Like, what what were they talking about and how do you separate myth from or fact from reality, fact from fiction? Um, So I thought about that. I thought about um, Monty Python, the Holy Grail. (laughs) Um, Okay. I thought about which was, which was uh, first was Monty Python eighties uh, Monty Python the Holy Grail is in the seventies for sure seventies um, okay all right because I wondered that too like how much did yeah nineteen seventy five like how much did that influence this right obviously uh, the Monty Python is satire but it's still based on all of these things right I'm like is this gonna be the black knight like is that that's got to be at least you know parodying parodying some some part of the the legend um yeah sure and i also thought about the disney movie uh sword in the stone right mm-hmm. because mm-hmm. there are there are characters in that k and uh his father whose name i forget oh, yeah are are pretty central characters in that in that animated film um, and they call Morgana something else, like Madame Mim or something. Mm, yeah, but sure. it's the same, same kind of character. There's a rival sorceress for Merlin. Yeah. Um, and what else? I had one more. Oh, uh, in the late '90s or early 2000s, there was a mini series. I want to say called Merlin. Well, there's a TV there show, was. Yeah. Yeah, there was. Merlin, but I'm thinking young. of, yeah, 1998, um, mm-hmm. with Sam Neill as as Merlin, right, um, right from uh, most well known for Jurassic Park, um, Helena Bonham Carter as Morgan Fay, of course, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, and I forget, and here yeah. it's Helen Mirren. Yeah, Helen it's it's Helen Mirren, the the older version of this character. But there's still like this miniseries was in '98, and I watched it, but I remember very little about it. Um, yeah. What I do remember is Uther lusting after another man's wife, right? Which happens right. in this movie in Excalibur, like in the first ten minutes. That. Yes. Um, uh, that whole thing happens, and I sort of regret uh, looking at the trivia for this movie on IMDb because um, that actress playing—I oh, know you're going to say it. What you're going to say? Yes. Uh, Egraine, um, yep. uh, the the Welsh, not Welsh, Cornish, uh, Cornwall, right? Uh, yeah, yeah. Of Corn Cornwall, the region. Um, the actress playing his wife, who has the nude scene with Uther. Is the director's daughter? I know. Isn't that weird? Like, How's that going to be so weird? What? Come again? <laughs> yeah, because she has like a big sex scene type thing. I couldn't yeah. imagine directing full full frontal nudity. So awkward. Um, yeah. I, you, you think it's yeah. awkward there? You should think about the people on set that have been like super awkward. awkward That's right? what I'm saying. That must. Yeah, I mean, right? maybe I don't know. The 70s were barely over. It was a different time. But still, still, it's weird. Um, yeah, so all of those things, all of the bits and pieces, because I've never, you know, 
done any kind of reading or deep dives, whatever, on Arthurian legends. Um, I started watching The Green Knight, but uh, didn't get through it. I think I started it too late, and I was like, what is this? This is so weird. Um, and I thought of that more the longer this movie went on. Because for, oh, the, yeah. First, yeah. for the first hour, hour and a half, I was like, okay, this is all pretty typical He's here and he meets Lancelot and he, mm-hmm, mm-hmm, he, mm-hmm. he builds Camelot and he's got a round table and everybody's sitting around in their armor all the time, which the trivia said their armor was made out of aluminum. So I'm like, that yeah. makes sense because they're wearing it a lot. And I'm like, yeah, that armor has to be so heavy, like so real, heavy real yeah. plate armor. Um, yeah, you're right. And yeah, then it takes this weird turn where they go on the quest for the grail. And I'm like, did they find, I don't think they find the grail. What is this? You know, and it just, it just gets very strange with the dreams and visions and, um, and all of those. And then circles back around to this confrontation with Mordred, um, his, his illegitimate son. Um, and yeah. Well, well, the, the, um, the thing about this movie that sets it for me, has set it apart from i i'm really super appreciative that you mentioned many of those different kinds of arthur uh takes on it all the way from the disney ones to the, to the things like this and and you know pe- a lot of people there was also the uh clive owen one it had uh like kira knightley in it and such that was not too long ago uh 90s or or hmm. 2000s i can't remember uh there's just always these retellings of the stories and people put their different spins mm-hmm. on it uh one of the things that this movie in particular does is um it is based fully on, uh, I had mentioned this earlier last week, the, the Lamorde Arthur book, which is an old, um, yeah. it was, I'm trying to think, Thomas Mallory, I think was the author. And um, that was done in, published in the late 1800s, I want to say 1890 something. Okay. And, and it was um, uh, the, you know, cataloging everything from all of the history type things. So it was, that book has kind of been what people say is... It, you know, when the Bible was made, before the Bible was made, it was a lot of different kinds of books and things from all over the place. And right. and then, you know, the Council of Nicaea comes together and it pulls them all together into one book, right? And that's yeah. what Lamor de Arthur was, was pulling all of these kind of things in and kind of trying to make a sense of what it all is and putting it into a book. So if you ever want to read what, what is considered the definitive Arthur legend, uh, read this French book. Uh, you can get it in English. Uh, Lamor de Arthur by Thomas Mallory. Right. And this movie was that, was that book. So it was take. so if instead of just saying what I had seen in things like the Disney movie, where it's just, you know, the sword and the stone and he pulls it out and that's the story or of, you know, people know the story of Guinevere, the, the betrayal of Guinevere and mm-hmm. Lancelot from Arthur. And, and that's it. Uh, this, there's a lot to it. And this movie travel traverses all of that from, from the more to Arthur, from the whole, the book. So that you see what happened to get the sword into the stone, what the world was like before that, you know, with, with Uther and, and the different and Cornwall and then, and then transitioning into young Arthur drawing the thing as a, as a boy and setting that stuff up. And then we have a, some really great actors come in with um, Sir Patrick Stewart in, in here. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Paying, uh, and he, he was fantastic. I thought. Um, and then as always, you're right. And then you're right. And then, tra- then you transition into like to, to King Arthur as he, wrestles the land together and that's it's so this part you can kind of see the historical parts of it of what makes yeah the Arthurian yeah, it has legend a, thing it has a similar um sort of pacing 
to it as uh, um, the world's fastest Indian, right? Where you're like, mm, yeah, oh, this is a this is a you know quote unquote true story of a person's life, but it's it's a collection of stories, and so we're gonna go right. from one story to the next without a lot of um, or really any kind of in between embellishment. Right. Yeah. Right. Right. Here's you're, a story. You're just following this happens. His characters. Yeah. There's no like Arthur as a boy and before he becomes a squire, going on weird adventures with Merlin and getting turned into a squirrel and any of this sort of embellishment. It's just here's this this tournament with this joust and this melee and there's the sword and the sword is there and they can they're trying to pull it out and then he pulls it that the part where he pulls it out and um for his brother, his stepbrother, Kay. Yep. Mm-hmm. Um, because he doesn't have a sword. That part is in the Disney cartoon. But right. th- this movie, it definitely had that vibe of, you know, here's the story, here's the next story, here's the next story. It's the same way that the Bible reads or uh, the more right. the more uh, narrative parts of the Bible or um, like the Cimmerillion or something like that. Yeah. So, so that that's the that's the the history part because because this we don't actually know if this if he was one person a Roman guy or or a lot of you know right. c- c- things of stories from different people that they all attribute to him um, or this one character but but th- so this one is that so it's told in kind of a, a historical walking through and it goes all the way through to to the as they says in the, the title of the book the death of Arthur um from from his humble beginnings before to to end so it's his life and what he did kind of to the world uh to some point and then the pivotal characters within that okay so that's that's a lot to say about the history and setting up but this the point was here is that this movie is try, was trying when it was made tr- uh, attempted to be the most accurate to what that accurate book was not saying that right. that book is is truth because you know it's it's a, it's a legend is one thing but Hooray. if that's the one that's be, to be accepted, this movie was to be based on that one. So when you look at all these different other things, including the Disney movies or any of the other ones that you've seen before, and as you pointed out, there are these snippets. Oh, look, there's a K. There's K in there. It's his, his brother, you know, or, um, you know, uh, who who Gawain is and things like that. You can watch this one as kind of like the foundation of what everything is. And I'm not saying everything is based on this movie, but everything's based on that book and that this movie is that book. Um, and, and that was always good for me as a, a teenager watching this kind of thing. Um, cause I liked the King Arthur idea, but this isn't like a little kid thing. And I had watched sword in the stone, um, as a kid, the Disney st- stuff before, and that was fun, but this was, you know, the adult version uh, of it per se. Um, and I got, it gave me the baseline of what, what everything all kind of is and, and how you see that kind of stuff. So when I, I watch the other Arthur movies, I kind of compare it to this one. Um, Cause how do they change it? What do they do differently? You know? Um, and everything else that's been done beyond this movie is just a variation of, of the accepted core book, I guess you'd say, mm-hmm. you know what I mean by that? Right. Like, so in, in, um, um, the, Clive Owen and Keira Knightley version, they make um, uh, Guinevere and Merlin Druids, which are like a group of people in, in the Scottish Highlands. And right. that, that is not in anywhere in the book. 
it, like in, in the, the, the core book, but that is something that, it, that the writers decided to make and found interesting, but that's not a core thing. So, but they changed that kind of stuff to make it interesting for their story. Right. And then they made it part of Rome, uh, the Roman guys. Um, so every time you, you see a different Arthur movie, you know, it's just variations on, on this one type stuff or the sure. core, the core Arthur, the legend. Uh, so there's not a lot to say about this one for me, except because I personally have, it's always been in my top 10 it, for a long time growing up. It was my top two. Um, just because I love Arthur in general, the whole, the legend of it all. Um, and I did read that book as dense as it is, um, when I was in high school. Uh, so to have kind of the best telling of it, uh, and I don't think it's been done as well since in my own personal opinion, uh, hmm. with all the actors and the characters and it just felt very real. Uh, even with the aluminum outfits, they didn't feel like they were plastic. Right? They didn't, they no, didn't like no. bump in. Um, yeah. I mean, there's a, sufficient. yeah, there's a, um, we talk about this a lot in the world of like, um, visual effects, right? What mm -hmm. we now call visual effects, but like practical effects, as we say, versus, um, uh, digital or computer graphics um, right. effects, but there are um, there are limitations to practical effects that, depending on what the director, the filmmaker, um, what their vision was, um, there are elements of that that um, can be almost timeless. Um, because you're not seeing like, there are definitely times in this movie where I could see, you know, some kind of special effects being done. Right. Oh, um, sure. There's a scene where Morgana is, uh, supposed to be breathing smoke. Right. And I can mm -hmm. see that she's like, she's inhaling it from something right beside her head and, and then <laughs> right, right. it out. Right. That, or special effects. Right. Yeah. 70s special effects right there's a lot of glitter probably not as much as legend or <laughs> labyrinth but um morgana is just tossing handfuls of glitter all over mordred i'm like oh yeah glitter i'm glad we <laughs> kind of got off that one for for you nice. know as how to how to show like magical effects um you know he's riding the horse across smoke right and you're like okay well the smoke isn't that deep obviously um <laughs> But for the most part, um, it helps that there's not a lot of magic, right? Like Merlin uses magic, but it's not, um, there's weird stuff in that cave that you're like, what am I looking at? I can't even really tell what's going on here. But yeah. most of the movie is just guys with swords and lances and armor right. fighting. There's a lot of right. that, you know, very bright, too runny blood that they used to use oh, in the seventies. Yeah, sure. Um, but there were other things where like Lancelot, uh, gets stabbed. He like he stabbed with his own sword. I forget exactly what happens, but like there's a sword through his torso just above his hip bone and he pulls it out. And I'm like, what? I almost ran it back to see, to look at it again. Cause I was like, what was that? Because that looked entirely real. 
Um, yeah, that, that that takes caliber, and you're right. Yeah, it looks like it goes through his muscle there. I, that was crazy how they. I don't. I don't know if it's yet. like a like a prosthetic uh, body, a fake body, or something. But uh, yeah, that was. It, it was a good shot. It was a good shot. That was wild. Put that one. Um, yeah. 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 100%. It's uh. So it's it's set in there. Uh, I don't know. Besides those things, because I think I think you're right. Pointing out things like the glitter. I, was, I had forgotten about that one. And and <laughs> and then. Uh, when they did that now, now I can definitely see that, but not a lot of that necessarily sets it as a purely seventies type, uh, show. Although, although it still, as we said earlier at the beginning, that it feels that way for sure. Um, yeah, the, that's, there, that's just in the cinematography, I think in the, in the, directing. some of the but cinematography, they, some of the, um, the visual, like the hairstyles and things, um, are a little more, a, a little more indicative of the times but it's not it's not bad i've seen far far worse right, right? um and and the, the, the de-aging yeah. technology was was not computer generated <laughs> it was nigel terry was who played uh, uh arthur was he looked very young when they showed him as a kid right and then yeah looked like an old man when he was old without like crazy stupid prosthetics all over his face um th- right. they just did a good job of aging people well um yeah yeah and and it's funny because patrick stewart still looks oh i mean he looks a lot different now when you watch him in picard but he looked exactly like he did in you know the the generation movies and you know all the way through x-men he looks like the exact same guy never aged since that whole thing i think he was born looking 50 years old um yeah yeah well he said um they interviewed him there was a short run podcast uh max fun did for i claudius Right, the mm. old um, BBC miniseries about the Roman emperors, um, and Patrick Stewart is in a storyline in that, and he has hair, but it's a wig, right? And they ask him in the interview, and he says he went bald at like nineteen. Mm. So, yeah, he's he's kind of always looked the same. <laughs> he's always looked looked that way. But I, I knew when I when I had watched this one, I knew. Um, I don't know if I, you know what? I didn't, I didn't know him because I watched this before I'd watched Star Trek and, um, he came out before obviously next generation, but, um, so I had seen this one and I, I never put the two and two together of those when I, my young mind of, mm. of the two characters, not until much later. I was like, Oh mm-hmm. yeah. And then of course, Helen Mirren, which I've seen everything else, but I hadn't seen her up to that point in my life. Any, her young Helen Mirren. I've only seen her as older Helen, Helen Mirren. Um, right. And so put those together. So a lot of these things, these characters were like, oh, just dawn on me kind of type characters. Um, uh, but the, the, I thought the cast was was really good. I thought all of them were very believable in their part um, with um, mm-hmm. it's Uhtred and not Uhtred. That's a different character. Uh, the, the characters that were like his knights, they weren't like chival- all chivalrous knights. They felt like barbarian-ish knights that would be really back then kind of type things were. Uh, mm-hmm. They were still kind of jerks, at, you know, as, as people with power tend to be, um, and, sure. and not infallible. And and when they do the Grail story, all of them fail except for one, you know, with Percival. Yeah, um, Percival. And he fails once in, in himself. Uh, so it, it's it's pretty good with with all of that kind of of stuff of being a little bit more realistic. So closing this one up, I I I can't I can't. Uh, fairly judge this one because it has been such a nostalgic thing for me. But but I would, mm. as I like to do, recommend it to people. If you have even an inkling of fantasy, this one has to be on something that you watch. 
because um, this is the yeah. I mean, like I said, um, I'm I was never a huge like not you know no strong feelings about it one way or the other with Arthurian legend, um, but I could not help but be struck by the not similarities but like um what's the expression we use for this like um, through line of them all well that when when people say like something owes a lot to something else yeah right um Mm -hmm. so many and not not in the sense of like you know a writer or a or a screenwriter you know took some story and reskinned it Right. They're like, oh, we're going to tell Clueless, you know, we're going to tell the story of Emma, but we're going to set it in modern day. We're going to change all the names and and do this. And it's not that there's anything wrong with that either. Um, Here is that your discord sound. Um, But just the the sort of high level, like what does. um you know what does a chosen one story look like yeah you know not that not that arthurian legend necessarily started this stuff but it's so early that you're like well it certainly did in certain circles right um i mean we're before we're centuries before the crusades before viking stuff um all of that but like lord of the rings star wars um Mm-hmm, I had mm-hmm. I had other examples like other more modern fantasy things where you're like oh there's warring tribes and you do this and and this guy gathers his knights and you know challenges them you know this way and unites these barbarian hordes and you know whatever I'm I'm extrapolating a lot out there but um, sure. I was struck by that several times watching this movie yeah Heather they, we say that their things all come from Tolkien and Tolkien comes from you know, like Lamor to Arthur and things like that from from previous to this. They're all kind of connected right, in tissue right. and things. So, if, yeah, if you're interested in any of those in any way, you know, th- this is this is a good one, good one to watch without having to read the book, which is very a dense thing to kind of get through, especially because it was sure. it's written in its old prose. Um, but yeah, I, I I really I really I still continue to enjoy it. I I, I want my little com- side comment. I wanted to say you're talking about your ASMR sleeping things. This movie along with uh, the original trilogy of Star Wars, was my four over a decade go to sleep uh, movies. I <laughs> always had them on and I sure. would just close sure. my eyes and see them being played in my head. And, and you know, those three movies and Excalibur and I can quote every line because of that. You know, I just started in the middle and then, and then, you know, go to sleep to it because, because I can see it, I can hear it. I know the scenes that are happening. Um, and it's all in my kind of my imagination, which is it's it's helped me fall asleep many a night in in your ASMR way. All right. So what, what do we have uh, next week is your pick here, Dennis. All right. Um, where did my notes go here? We're going to watch Taxi Driver. Oh, OK. Um, this is not one I've seen. Uh, <laughs> no, it's very early. Uh, Robert De Niro. Um. Mm-hmm. 70 i want to say 76 ish Uh, my internet is being slow you know for some Uh, some really good movies that came out like legendary movies that came out in the 70s jaws star wars etc uh the 70s is like 70s movies that were made in the 70s are some of my least favorite 
uh, time periods. That's personally. Um, but then again, several of my most favorite ones were made in that, that time period. So sure. Yeah. Sure. Uh, yeah. 1976. Um, and it's on HBO max. Got it. Okay, cool. Yeah. Uh, the only thing I've got last in movies here is um, Sid and I went to visit um, uh, my oldest daughter uh, this last weekend and mm-hmm. um, just to say hi and hang out. And uh, she had said that her and her fiance went, were able to go to the movies and watched a movie called A Man Named Otto with Tom Hanks. I hadn't even heard of it. Um, and Sid and I had been saying that we hadn't been to the movie theater in a while. You you and I, Dennis, have said that there's just not been a lot out for a while. And, you know, it's slim pickings in the last six months or so, mm-hmm. um, especially right now. That's why Avatar is doing so well. And right. uh, so but we wanted to get back into the theater because we really it's it's kind of our, our happy place. Right. So it's always a place that we as as uh, Nicole Kidman says that we can go and escape and, <laughs> and just enjoy the time. And, and, and good. Right, right as it is, as soon as we get in that movie theater, we had our popcorn and our, our drink and our sitting down in the seats and the stuff came out. As she says, the lights came up. Like, we just have that feeling. And I did it again. Like, oh, it's good just to be here. Um, sure. So that was our goal to do there. So we just picked that movie called A Man Named Otto. Um, and uh, I'm not going to talk too much about it because it's kind of very spoiler heavy with it. Not that there's twists and turns, but I think... Um, this is a movie that has a lot to do with every actor or actress, the character in it. Uh, they're doing such a good job with it that it, it, it adds color and layer and depth to the story. So me just saying what happens, it would make it sound very weak and, and lame okay, uh, or rote. And that I don't feel that it would give it enough justice. So I don't want to give much of the plot. Because even the I, I did watch one trailer to know what I was getting into does not give an accurate portrayal at all of what this movie is. I will tell you it is that I was not told before. It is a movie that deals with suicide, which is mm, okay. a big Trigger thing that there. is a big turnoff to go. Sid even said, "If I knew that was what this was going to be about, I wouldn't have come." And I said, "Yes, yeah, same yeah. here. We would we would not have come." Um, but I think that's why the trailers kind of. Uh, didn't say that because there's so much more to it than that. Hmm. And, and and even though that's kind of a, an important theme with it, uh, I guess the theme here is really is um, life um, at life as, as an, as an older person, like when okay. you're coming to the end of your life, which Tom sure. Hanks is playing this character that, that feels like he's older now um, and what he is, you know, his there's many different things that older people have in their life that they have to go through at the things. And they deal with a couple of them in this one. Um, but, but suicide is, is one of those things. Um, and he is a, he, he, the trailers will show you, he's a grumpy, grumpy, grumpy old man. Like you sure. see in many of these kind of, kind of movies. Of course. Of course. And, and, right. And, and so, so Sid and I spent, uh, my daughter and I spent a long time talking about how um, you can say a movie is X but that's not the totality of it. Like I can say that this is a movie about a grumpy guy who gets people in his life and is happy, right? That is so many movies. It, it doesn't bear <laughs> even go watching another one, right? Sure. Sure. This one, I want to stress that the actors and the writing, uh, or just, I give credit really fully to the actors here, just added so much color and goodness to it that nothing in this movie would have worked without, with different actors in it. 
you know, the, okay. you just, you get in there and you're like, oh, I feel what these words, I'm thinking about it now, you know, I feel what the words on the script were supposed to mean because that actress delivered them in a way that I felt it, right? When, when she would come up and be silly or whatever and flippant, I felt that. Or when he would be momentarily, we, you and I call it face acting, gives a little bit of a thing and Tom Hanks would do something just light and easy. You can quickly get a glimpse of what that person's thinking because the actor or actress did that. And this is so good with that. And and we really, really liked it. And I will say um, there's a lot that happens throughout the thing. So this is not an ending. I, I had tears at di- different times in there and I'm man enough to admit that this, that I, I totally did. And, and I, you know, I, as much as I tried to, to pull them back, it was just kind of streaming down at different times in the movie. Um, and they were not just sad tears. They were always, they were a mixture of happy tears and sad tears and emotional stuff because of these, these actors on, on the screen. Um, so I was pleasantly surprised as you and I like to talk about how we don't know things going into it. This was one of those, I'm glad I didn't know much going into it. I would mm-hmm. not have picked this movie to go into it. And I am really fortunate that I did um, sit down in a theater without distractions and appreciate what was happening uh, from these characters in front of me um, and got to live in their lives for an hour and a half or so. Um, Tom Hanks does another wonderful job and everybody else does does another wonderful job. So I would recommend this to to pretty much anyone, adults for sure. Sydney was 16, almost 17. And I think it was just right on her edge there with, you know, is this a story that she could appreciate? Hmm. Um, but yeah, it, it's, um, I'm actually surprised. This, well, maybe it just came out in 2020. It wasn't one of those Oscar kind of movies. Cause they, it feels like some of that thing to watch, but yeah, if you feel like a, a good, a good movie that, that will give you the, give you the feels and the emotion, a man called <laughs> Otto is one of those movies that we talk about. They don't have in theaters anymore. They go straight to video or streaming. Mm-hmm. This is one in the theater. So I can't say that it's not always out there. Um, I don't know how it's doing. Um, but if it doesn't do well, it's probably one of those examples of why they don't have movies like that in theaters anymore. Sure. Sure. Uh, Just kind of a, a character story. All right. Okay. So that's, that's our, our movie section. Um, let's talk about our TV shows. You want to give me your feelings up through, I don't even think we talked about the, the great big episode three. In la- the Last of Us, yeah, um, I don't. Uh, maybe I don't know if we hadn't seen it or it was just, you know, not wanna not wanna spoil it. Um, we're we're halfway through now. Four, four is out of eight as as of yeah this. yeah. That's it's surprising. I think we can talk about episode three because if people are on social media, they've already gotten spoiled on on what's happening. But I'm gonna hit the bell anyway. Yeah, for sure. We're going to talk about The Last of Us, the HBO drama, um, the first three, maybe four episodes. Uh, so if you're not caught up, skip ahead and maybe come back and listen. Um, so give me your thoughts. I mean, we we yeah, talked about I mean, this in the in the perspective of a video game. When we've we talked, talked about, the about this from, from the high level, the visual styling. Yeah. Um, episode three caught me kind of completely off guard. Um mm-hmm. I am not familiar with any of the story, but of course I could see the um, the emotions, the possible romantic tension um, building as it went. 
Um, and I was not really expecting this sort of almost montage of wait, these characters' lives. Wait, wait, you're not, you got to clarify because you didn't say, you said the romantic tension. We're not talking about Ellie and, and no, Joel here. No, side, <laughs> okay. right. side characters, <laughs> side characters um, who uh, exist in this episode only um, mm-hmm. and will not be seen again, except maybe in flashbacks. Um, I know I hit the bell, but I'm being intentionally vague. Um, <laughs> and just, I mean, boy, I don't, I don't even know what to say about this. Just really well written, um, in a way that I've never seen probably has been done. Um, but you know, in this, in this setting, in this world, this is a, a homosexual relationship whether that matters to people watching um nick offerman and uh i don't know the other actor's name though he's been in a lot of stuff mm-hmm. um very non uh hollywood stereotypical gay characters right um yeah. you know neither of them are effeminate or foppish or i'm not you know not no it's what, it's what hollywood to, often to disparage will, will anyone that's right. just usually what we see is very flamboyant or at least effeminate kind of characters um this was very natural i think that was one of the things about this relationship was that throughout yeah. it all and it's one of the things that gave us the feelings that we had with it, it, felt, it felt it felt very right. very genuine right yeah and and ha- having those feelings from them falling, these characters falling on the, which is an interesting thing because this happened almost out of nowhere, right? That it wasn't about Joel and Ellie and that's the yeah. main characters. Um, yeah. I, I will, you... I will say this as a kind of a, not, it's not a spoiler. Okay, it's, but it's the, the arc of, of the last of us game is that Joel and Ellie are definitely the main characters. Um, and I, I said this a little bit earlier on when we first started talking about last of us is that, you know, characters die you know main characters don't make it all the way through uh one example is this one and we're in spoilers is bill and and frank um and they this this show and game is kind of little vignettes of characters that are that are important and you get a story from them and that story happens and then joel and ellie move on move on that's the that's the impression that I really got from the fourth episode. Mm-hmm. Um, they they yeah. come into a city. Uh, it's Kansas City, uh, Missouri, yep. I assume. Mm-hmm. Um, and there's a whole new set of characters with their drama going on. The kind of thing that The Walking Dead would spend an entire season on. Yes. Right, um, yes. That in this series is going to be at least one more episode. Um, but it kind of shows up in the third act of the fourth episode. Correct. So, you know, th- there's a whole, well, maybe not, maybe not third act, but, you know, I assume that it's not going to be the rest of the season. No, um, no, de- definitely not. Right. I, I bet you this so like one more episode, I bet. Yeah. Um, yeah. But, but, but that's, that's what people kind of, it's one, there's many things, but this is just one of those things about, about the game that people really enjoyed was that. You get you get a story, kind of in the story, right? There, and and that's what you do. And what happens in the game 
is that you go through seasons. So you'll they'll have a set piece and things happen, and it's the summer, and they're in they're in Boston, and they're in in the, the QZ, and all of that kind of story that happens there. And then they get to, um, you know, Bill, and they are able to get a vehicle and move on. And then it, it the game does a visual thing where it kind of turns to black and it says like fall. Um, and then the game changes where it's all like fall colors and they've gone out west more, right? And they come into Kansas City and then they have they meet people and do things and there's a whole thing that happens in this world of that they're building with The Last of Us that you learn about. Unlike a game or a, a movie that most zombie things you'll get, let's say like Walking Dead, they generally stay in an area or in a region or you stick with just one group of people or something. You tell the story of that thing. And in the case of the Walking yeah. Dead, or it continues to get boring, or, right? Or the one group is, and this was my sort of reaction when Walking Dead started, um, most zombie stories, which by which I mean films, um, are, you know, two hours at most. So mm-hmm. the story is, is, by necessity, very small. Some characters have to survive the night, or they have to get somewhere to find their people, right? Their family, yeah. Or whatever, and that's the whole story. Like maybe there are a couple, uh, uh, as we say in D and D, random encounters. Yeah. But right. otherwise, they're on the road. There's a little bit of character development. They have a couple of fights, and then the they, the movie's over. They get to where they're going, yeah. or they all yeah, die. It's, More. And you don't really get to like find out really in any zombie movies the rest of the world, kind of right. Like what's going yeah, on right. everywhere else, you know? Yeah. Uh, the Walking Dead did some things with like Fear the Walking Dead and spinoffs and things like that. So that there was some of that, but this does it in a much smaller one season type thing. And the video game thing, same thing is one game that you get to experience all of this bit or big chunks of the United States during this thing. And they, they give you the things that a lot of these, these zombie movies and shows don't give you, they give you explanations. They tell you about how it was. Joel explains how things happened, what they did and what they tried and, and you get, you know, he, they explain about it being in the grain and how how it got and why it would have done. It. It's all very believable and understandable. And then you find out what, how people reacted and how Fedra came about. And you learn even more of that stuff. So along the way, you're getting world building and seeing how this world ha- plays out in, with different characters. But really at its core, um, it's individual stories like Bill and Frank. Um, and then this next one is Henry and Sam, which is... Uh, the, the characters you see at the very last shot of episode four, um, the, the father son. Mm-hmm. And that's this next story. Um, and I, and I know when we, when you said it feels like it's not going to be forever. I know that like Sid and I kept saying the winter is going to come out we know there's a big story in winter mm-hmm. and it, and it, and it, you know, they, they, they move through characters. Um, and so we had forgotten about this story. This is a good story that hopefully they'll, they'll do it justice. And um, when we're done with the video game or done with this season, you'll look back at it and say, yeah, this is a story about Joel and Ellie, but that's not it. You can't say The Last of Us without Bill and Frank, without Henry and Sam, without ex, you know Tommy, without whatever, because they're these stories throughout. Um, so it's hard to say what The Last of Us is about, the game, mm. because it's about all this. And now we're experiencing it from a, a television show perspective. Right. Um, how, how are you feeling this overall stacking up to other zombie type 
things that you've seen. I mean, it's it's okay to call them zombies, right? Sure, sure. I mean, there are so few zombies. Right. Um, I forget that it's a zombie. It's a funny thing because I'm watching this. I'm watching Poker Face. Mm. I picked back up um, C, Jason Momoa. Oh, yeah, yeah, Momoa. Um, And just because I have that like, oh, I'm caught up on The Last of Us and poker face and i kind of want oddly it's a weird thing like i kind of want to watch something long um mm-hmm. mostly because all of the short things i have to watch are anime and i'll be in a mood where i'm like i don't really want to have to read the subtitles um yeah. and so i picked c back up and i'll be watching one of these shows and go something will happen early on in the episode and i'm like now wait a second what am i watching would they <laughs> have had that's weird they have this and i'm like no, wait, wait. This one's, this one's way post-apocalyptic. Right? <laughs> yeah, right, like, yeah. Oh, they're <laughs> siphoning gas, but they're still in gas. It's not in gas. In C, like they're in an old school building, and there are still like bedrooms, and they're using the fireplaces. And I'm like, how long after society collapsed? Like, it's enough yeah. that people who can see are a myth and a legend. Like, it's has it supposed to have been centuries? Because oh, all the wood and like maybe the stone would still be standing, but the wood in this building would have crumbled to dust a long, a long time. time ago. <laughs> right. um, but I'll forget yeah, the- like which show I'm watching and what kind of uh, uh, world building is oh, right. is going is going on in it or whatever. But anyway, um, in this one, I, yeah, I, I'm re- it's the same thing. Same thing as the video game. I, seeing the perspective of Ellie is fantastic. I love having someone born post-apocalyptic and is a teenager and you're experiencing magazines or she picks up comic books and right. like, Whoa, you know, she gets so excited about bit tapes and recorders. And she even said, she yelled at him the other day, like, this is my second time, my second day ever in a car. Right. See, see, mm-hmm. she saw a plane on the ground and was like, did you fly in one of those? Where did you go? What did you do? You know, I like that perspective. It's kind of, kind of fun. Yeah. And his, his reaction of like, Oh, it's crowded and you wait in line. And she's like, after that, did you fly through the air? <laughs> right. <laughs> it's like the, the, the perspectives of the different. Yeah, that is, that is great. And there are elements of her character that, that I kind of raise an eyebrow at, but then uh-huh. I think again about the world and I'm like, well, yeah, of course she knows about this stuff. Like this is a post-apocalyptic world where everybody is fighting to survive. Like she, you know, has, kind of you know mature knowledge but then is completely you know innocent about other things right um and it's and it's great yeah it's i'm enjoying it a lot it's nice to you know reminds me of the old game of thrones days where every sunday night i'm like mm-hmm. oh there's a new there's a new episode to watch and i want to watch yeah. it like like right away i i um, agree sydney came yeah. in and said is this is this friday is is it out yet i was like oh oh yeah it's a- the day we're supposed to be to watch because she was ready to watch the thing. Um, I I, I want to give credit in all the way through four episodes of of Pedro Pascal and um, Lady Mormont, which I can't think of her name right now. Um, Bella Ramsey. Bella Ramsey, right? We I've known we both knew they're great actors before this, and they just continue to show that. Um, and for sure, you know, they're this episode four had several scenes of them kind of bonding. I guess right to to help you 
feel that relationship with them. And they did a wonderful job of it. Just the way I, I remember in the video game of, you know, them, her just saying these kind of things, like little puns and stuff, and then him randomly laughing or, and not meaning to. And, uh, <laughs> you know, you, you get as what they, what do they call him? Like the, 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 the dad, he gets that dad vibes, uh, type stuff. Um, so it, they the actors are doing really great. I told, I told Sydney right, right after this, cause you know, she likes Ellie. Um, and I was like, yeah, she's a great actress. She's doing a wonderful job as this character. I said, you should go watch Catherine called birdie. You should go watch her other things that she's been in. She's great. <laughs> and she's only, she only gets better. So, um, yeah, yeah. Him, I did him, watch, well, he seems to be doing really well. Um, speaking of Pedro Pascal, I watched, um, Saturday night live this week. Oh, I, I heard that was great. I saw that one Mario he hosted one, yeah. He did that that Mario commercial. That was um, great. It it wasn't as good as the Aubrey Plaza episode from two weeks ago. Mm-hmm. Um, there were more kind of uh, weak sketches, um, and I will say, you know, nothing but love for for Pedro Pascal. He is not great at uh, at live comedy. Um, one one of the sketches just completely fell apart because he kept laughing. Uh-huh, because it, because <laughs> I, I kind of so... like some of those when, when they just, yeah they love it yeah it's like he broke and then him laughing made a couple of the cast members break and it was great because the the sketch was dumb so i was like well <laughs> at least this is entertaining uh, yeah to watch. i i, but, I yeah, do kind of like fun. it when they when the actors break down because they can't they i i speaking of aubrey, aubrey plaza and one of them one of my favorite breakdown scenes from even tv shows when the bloopers of is the one where um um Chris Pratt is doing the uh, the toilet paper gag from Parks and Rec, and Aubrey Plaza right. is in the scene with him, and she she has to walk off screen because she can't stop laughing, and then she comes back, and still breaks down not laughing, and that that kind of thing makes it the best when the actors are just so hilarious that they're making everybody else around them you know laugh. Um, yeah, yeah. yeah I, I I should rewatch. I only watched like half of that Aubrey Plaza one, but heard it was heard it was really good. Um, yeah, so yeah, that one well, was was surprising because we talk about uh, we talk about SNL and it's it's sort of ratio of of good to mediocre. Yeah, and I can never tell with that show. The, yeah. the the Aubrey Plaza one was definitely like like almost all of it was good. Um, I think the best way to watch Saturday Night Live is just uh, in in recap in highlights, like watch the highlight reels. Of Saturday sure, Night Live. Yeah. those are. Yeah. Watching it real time is like nails on a chalkboard to me. I just can't. Yeah, can't. One set will probably ruin it for me. You know, like I just. I'm yeah, I mean, I mean, I watch it recorded and then wait. You know, for the I skip through the music and there, you know, all the commercials and and everything. Yeah. And it, it it always surprises me when I'm getting close to the end because I'm like, man, I always think of this as like a 90 minute show, but it's only 90 minutes with the music and the commercials. Like, right, just yeah. the content itself is barely an hour. Agreed. Uh, agreed. Yeah. Um, okay. So last five minutes we've got, uh, you spoke and recommended poker face a couple weeks ago. Mm-hmm. Um, and he, again, go back and listen to Dennis's, um, description of that one. Uh, I caught up and can, I'm on, I got one more episode to watch, I think before we catch up and I, and I don't need to talk specifics about this one. Just kind of wanted to give my thoughts on it. Um, I'm enjoying it as well. I think I agree with all of your sentiments earlier about what you thought the show was and such. Um, it it has a I liked you mentioned you compared it to Columbo. Uh, it it feels mm-hmm. a lot like those episodes of the week uh, shows back then when that kind of show was yep. out, where you yep. you have a little bit of a 
Uh, well, I, I thought of things like, um, um, what's the one where he jumps in from his body from time to time? Um, quantum leap. Quantum leap type thing. Where there's a there's a story that's happening in the background, right? That she's running mm. from somebody here. It's set up in the right, first right. one. Uh, but but really, it's week to week and and uh, you know story to story that's completely different from time to time with this uh, what if magical power of being able to, to tell lies. Um, mm-hmm. And and I and I, and for for my part, I was unsure when you were explaining how I would like a, a show, a detective show that you don't you know you're not figuring out who done it. Um, right. This one is is more. I now I understand this is a. How are the? How is she going to? Um, we know who did it. How the thing is? How is she going to find it out? Like, where are they going to slip up? How and how is she gonna? How is she gonna figure it out? And how is she going to catch them? Catch because them, she's right. not a cop, right? right. I think important. I said that. Right. I think I said that in our Discord. Like most uh, murder, crime, drama kind of things probably have to keep coming up with new creative crimes. Right. New creative murders. This one has to come up with creative ways for her to catch them without, you know, because she doesn't want to talk to the police herself. Right. Because she's, as you said, on the run and they're doing both. It's a very like the gimmick of her being able to tell lies is straight Ryan Johnson. Right. It's exactly like. um, Mm -hmm. uh What's her name? Anna de Armas's character in Knives Out, except without mm. the vomiting. Um, I'm like, oh, that's a that's a cute gimmick. Yeah. Um, but not only is the way that she catches them different and interesting every week, um, so is the crime itself. You're like, how? What? And then they're gonna, she's gonna go in there and climb up the, and he's gonna do what with the. The, and how they cover it up and and all of that. And then the, the I want to say weird, but the weird time jump thing, which is a little bit, yeah. I don't want to say Christopher Nolan, like he invented this. But the right. fact that the crime is always in the middle, right? We see it first. Mm-hmm. And then when the episode proper starts with her, with Natasha Leone, with Charlie, um, we've backed up at least a couple days, sometimes weeks, right? right? And and of course, the again, this is a classic, and I say classic, I've only seen a handful of Ryan Johnson films, but a classic, like, knives out thing where we're now seeing the same scenes, but from a different point of view, and like, yeah. oh yeah, Charlie was right there while this was happening. We've seen it already, but now yeah. we're seeing where she was while this was happening. Um, yeah, that, that's how I it's, think it's divided into three. I, I was... You had hmm. mentioned that it's hard to watch long. It's like an hour over an hour long. And I was yeah. like, oh, man, I, I know what he's saying. And that was a dread part to me. Isn't this show, it's important for me to convey to the listeners, for me, it does not feel long at all. It actually feels very short. And that is because, just as you're explaining, the format of the show is broken clearly into three sections. One, before we see you, Charlie, is always the crime. And it happens, it's a third of the show that is spent without Charlie in it. And then that's the mm-hmm. main character. And then the next spec, it goes back in time to ch- focusing on Charlie up to when the crime happens. And then the last third is how is Charlie going to, to find out, you know, and, and, and what she going to do to catch this character uh, right. type thing. So it's three very, very like 20 Distinct minute acts. stories. Yeah. Acts. Yeah. yeah. 
And that makes it go really fast for me because I'm just, you know, this part's done. Okay, now I'm completely on onto a new story. With Now Charlie's here. Okay. And I love that actress and she sets a whole different kind of tone. Um, mm-hmm. So uh, for, for me, all of them have been fun, but just like epi- any episodic shows, some of them hit, some of them miss. I thought I, the last one I watched was the, the band one with the one hit wonder band. Um, mm. I did not think that one was very good. Um, and it was just, it was just very blah, not great. Uh, but That's just fair. like yeah. many nineties episodic shows, many of them were blah and not great. Not many of them, but like you get a couple sure. here and there that you just pass over. And because they're episodic, you can just skip and get, not watch that one. Right. Yeah. Um, yeah. but, but so far I, I really enjoyed it. I love the actress. She does another wonderful job in this one. Um, and I actually super appreciate that she was in the beginning of um, the Glass Onion, you know, Glass and onion. That, yeah, because I am certain that like that's why they did it, right? Because so, she's oh yeah. If you look 100%. at that, those four people that were on there, like Angela Lansbury's in it, she's singing. And I never, I didn't understand why this actress was in with that group, and now I do. Cause, yeah, it's a it's an Easter egg. Yeah. I was like, oh, oh, I, I, I get, now I get, because Poker Face came out after Glass Onion. Uh, so, yeah. Anyway, like, right. I, I'm enjoying it so far. It's it's one that, that yeah, it's same. like, oh, I'm, I'm going to turn that on and watch that. Enjoy my hour of, of, of doing it. <laughs> and she's not a cop, which is great. Cause, because, like you said, and I didn't watch a lot of Columbo, but they don't really all, I mean, I guess they have kept caught, air quotes, most of them, but not always. Sometimes she's just kind of like getting them caught with the people who, are going to, you know, take her to jail or, or are going to call the cops right. or whatever, you know? Um, yeah. Yeah. And, my, and, and most of it's my, all circumstantial evidence, like crazy. Uh, but how does right, she work? Right. How does she work it? And so it's, it's a classic, like, you know, trick them into making a confession or, um, or whatever. Some of it is very like convenient, which again is a, a little bit of a Ryan Johnson thing where it's like, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Okay, how did she know though that that she was going to call the cops or whatever? Um, right. My favorite one of those, like, how does she get them caught? Thing is the is the trucker episode. Yeah. Um, when they're trying to figure out oh, the song, yeah. and then she she skips town. She's like, I gotta go, and they're like, Well, don't worry, we'll find them. You know, the the like loyalty of truck drivers kind of thing because they all knew the victim. Um, and all that, yeah. and I was like, okay, I like that. That I one's, that episode. That was a good one. That that one's pretty plausible. I I buy that. Yeah, I you know in in every one of these episodes, there's always like good people. I think that's another thing too is that you see she calls what she was called the herself the uh, female Galahad. I think what she calls herself. Um, she just mm-hmm. can't stop with her inner the inner voice of like I got to do something. I got to be do something right. right to help or whatever. And uh that's because in every episode they've had characters that are like you feel are good and likable. Right? Every yeah. one of them had the people and they end up like they're usually the ones that die, but they, right. by the way this this show does play around a lot with that. Like the first act where you're just you know someone's going to die. And it, it plays with the, oh, you think it's this person, huh? Oh, no, it, you think it's this person, huh? <laughs> you know, they'll, they'll walk up behind him with a knife and like, oh, you know, he didn't do anything or something, you know. Yeah. It, yeah. it knows it'll, what it's doing. It knows what it fake is. fake out. Yeah. All right. Case of the week murder mystery is what they call it. So, yeah. 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 It's, I, I don't, uh, 
I don't anticipate it the same way that I do The Walking Dead, but I am yeah. still watching the episode every week pretty close to, to when it comes out. So, yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah, I'm having fun with that one. Natasha Leone is just, just fun. She's just fun to watch. Yeah, yeah, she's great. All right. I think that's everything. I think we got it all, man. Yeah. We won. Yeah. So, so again, next week we're watching Taxi Driver. Taxi Driver. Oh, 70s. Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah. We got this. We got yeah, this. this. This might be a heavy one. I don't know a lot about it. I don't either. But everyone talks about it, so. Yeah. Yeah. It's in the, it's in the annals of history. In the lexicon. All right. You've been listening to The Front Porch. This is episode 283. Thanks, as always, to our friends on LRM Online. You can check them out for reviews on all the things. If you would like to reach out to us and tell us your thoughts on The Walking Dead or Poker Face, you can do that via email. Our address is frontporchpod at gmail.com. If you go to our website, frontporchpodcast.com, you can find show notes for the episodes and contact forms where you can reach out to us. If you enjoy the show, please consider subscribing on the podcatcher of your choice. And while you're there, if you would leave us a review, we always appreciate that. It helps out a lot. As always, thanks so much for joining us. Until next time, I'm Dennis. And I'm Michael. For the front porch. Night, everybody. See you next time.